Can we just keep doing that for the next 25 minutes instead of me coming up here and talking about anything? <laughs> My name is Sung. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and uh, we, we just want to welcome you on this Easter Sunday. And uh, as we start, I, I want you to imagine with me for a moment that this here is a magic eraser. And this magic eraser allows you to erase certain historical events. So what would happen if you open up the history books and you could take this eraser and wipe out some moment in history? The question is, what impact would taking that uh, event out of history have on today? Would it make any difference because really, if you want to measure the impact that something that happened in the past, you imagine what life would be like uh, if it hadn't happened. And then you get a sense of how important that event really was. And so there's actually a whole specialized, specialized field of study within history called alternative history. Right? It's kind of like uh, choose your own adventure, kind of, if you, if you grew up with that, right? And in, in this discipline of study, they ask, what would be different today if a certain event in the past had turned out differently? And so historians identify a specific event, and then they hypothetically erase it, and then they extrapolate from that point forward the consequences of removing that event from history. And they ask, what are the ripple effects? How would we think, feel, and act differently if we erase that certain moment in history? In fact, I have this huge tome, 850-page tome in my office uh, called What If? And it's eminent historians imagine what might have been, and that's exactly what they do. And so they ask questions like, well, what if Robert E. Lee had won the Battle of Gettysburg? Or what if John Wilkes Booth had missed when he shot Abraham Lincoln? Or what if Nazi Germany had won World War II? And so the idea is you go back in time, you try to, you, you erase this moment, and, and you imagine and determine what the impact would be on today. And that's really what I want us to do uh, when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. I want us to look at the Easter story through this lens of alternative history and ask ourselves, what would be different now and today if Jesus Christ had never risen from the dead? Well, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He essentially does this. He, 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 play, he imagines alternative history and what life would look like if Jesus had not been raised from the dead. But before we dive into 1 Corinthians 15, I want us to just consider our own immediate culture and context and how things would be different if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. And so imagine this being kind of a blackboard with a whole bunch of things up on the screen. And so it wouldn't be difficult to imagine and to make the case that if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, that uh, you could take the eraser and erase a lot of hospitals today. Right? In fact, you could trace medical care and the earliest hospitals to the Christian community. You could also take the eraser and you could erase actually a lot of universities. I don't, know, I don't know if you know this, but schools like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton all began by Christians to teach people the Bible. You could also make the case that a lot of orphanages would be gone. Not only orphanages, but homeless shelters, feeding centers, social services. In fact, 
it wouldn't be too difficult to make the case that uh, without Jesus and the resurrection, there would be no United States, at least the way we know it today. In fact, historians say that without the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our nation would look a lot more like 20th century China than it does today, right? But in 1620, before the pilgrims landed, they sat in the captain's quarters of their ship and they drafted basically the birth certificate of the United States of America called the Mayflower Compact, which was one of many documents that gives the stated purpose of this nation. And there they wrote that that is for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. But Paul is writing this letter uh, long before we became a nation. And he points out in 1 Corinthians 15 that if you erase Easter, take away the resurrection, that you really erase hope. So he says in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then you have no basis on which to have the faith that you have. Everything you've staked your life on is nothing but smoke and mirrors. And if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then then he has no power to offer us eternal life. We just have no hope beyond this life. Christian author Philip Yancey, uh, in a book called Where is God When It Hurts, uh, describes an unusual funeral that he once uh, observed, where friends and family gathered around a casket and as they gathered, there were, no, there were no songs, there were no words that were shared, but the only thing that happened is they passed around peppermints to every participant, and at a set time, they were to put a pep- the peppermint in their mouth and suck on it. And once the peppermint dissolved, the people simply turned around and walked away. And he observed that this was supposed to be a metaphor, that l- this is the end, Right? Life, this is it. Life just dissolves to nothingness. And if there is no resurrection, that's about the best we can hope for. Right? We live, and then we die, and then that's it. There's no hope beyond this life. And so if you erase Easter, going back to the blackboard, you can erase any thought of heaven, Right? No eternity or paradise where there will be no more crying, or no more sadness, no more pain. You could even erase uh, those long-awaited reunions. Right? Many of us long for that day when you'll be reunited with loved ones, friends and family. Well, there's just no more reunions. You could even uh, erase uh, healing, ultimate healing, Right, because this body and this physical life is the most we could hope for. And, and ultimately, again, he, he erases hope. He goes on in verse 17, Paul does, and he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Right? You erase God's forgiveness and his grace and you have to live with the weight of sin and guilt and shame in your life. I don't know if you've ever heard the story a few years ago of a guy named Cornelius Anderson. Uh, He made national and even international headlines because in 2000, he was arrested and convicted of burglary. 
But after his conviction, the judge told him to await sentencing and trial, uh, await sentencing, right? He was condemned guilty. And then when he received instructions, he was then to report to prison. Well, the instructions never came. So the days and months and years passed by, and Cornelius gets married. He has four kids. He learns carpentry. He gets his driver's license. He turns his life around. He starts his own business and starts paying his taxes. He becomes a model citizen. And then one day in July of 2013, that's 13 years later, the Department of Corrections realized their oversight and sent a SWAT team armed with fully automatic weapons to Cornelius' house. They pounded on the door and they hauled him back to prison. His attorney was interviewed for the story and uh, this is what he said. He said, I told him that one day they were going to come for him and that he needed to be ready. Well, I think that's what life would be like without Easter, right? Now, we want to do more good than bad, and we hope that at the end of our life that, you know, we get things turned around and that, that the, the, our, the, our good deeds will outweigh our bad deeds. But in the back of our minds, I think we know, we know the bad deeds that we've done. We know the mistakes that we've committed. And, and I think we know that there's, we are waiting for some kind of knocking on the door where the doubt, debt will have come due, where we have to make a payment for what we've done. But because of Easter, we are set free from that sentence, right? Jesus, on the cross, died for our sins, not only the sins that we committed in the past, but the sins we commit today, and even the sins that we don't even know we're going to commit tomorrow. And so that is the freedom that Jesus brings. And some people will ask, well, if, 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 if the cross is where Jesus paid for our sins then is Easter even necessary? I mean, did Jesus have to come back to life for our sins to be forgiven? Well, I, I want us to see Easter in, in this light, right? If the cross was a payment for our sins, then the resurrection is what completed the transaction. In other words, if Jesus had stayed dead, right, he doesn't have power over life. That means he doesn't have power to forgive us, save us. And our sins, we are still dead in our sins. Think of it this way. A, a, a while ago, I was over at uh, Costco picking up a few items. And I was in a bit of a hurry. And, um, and so I'm checking out. And I remember the cashier giving me my receipt. Right? But something happened between the cash register and the exit where I lost that receipt. So I get to the door and I'm telling the guy, uh, yeah, I paid for all these items and he's not buying it, right? He's like, where's your receipt? I'm, you know, I, I, I literally lost it somewhere between there and here. I went even as far as to say, look, I promise that I paid for these items. For God's sake, I'm a pastor. I wouldn't lie to you. And he said simply, sorry, sir, but you cannot leave without the receipt as proof of purchase. So he took me back to the customer service where they had to verify all of my purchases. Well, think of Easter as the receipt. 
Jesus pays for our debt on the cross and he purchases our freedom on the cross when he died there for us. But the resurrection is our proof of purchase. The resurrection validates what he did on the cross. It validates the payment. And so if you erase Easter, again, you erase freedom. Freedom from our past mistakes. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then, you know, we, we, we're still guilty as charged. You also take away redemption, where God takes the broken pieces of our lives and turns it into something beautiful. You also erase forgiveness. We still live with guilt and shame. There's still a debt that needs to be paid. And ultimately, you erase God's grace. So Paul is reminding us of the difference that that one moment in history has made for us. And later on, Paul says, look, because of Easter, you have purpose to life. And his reasoning goes like this. If Jesus has not risen from the dead, then there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then there's nothing beyond the grave. And if there's nothing beyond the grave, well, it doesn't really matter how you live. I mean, just do whatever you want. And he says in verse 32, if Christ has not, if the dead are not raised, he says, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And that is a fair approach to life, right? If this is all there is, then who is to say what's right and wrong? Who is to say that there's good and evil, right? If there's nothing else, then the whole approach, you only live once, it makes complete, perfect sense. And if you don't know where you're going, you don't have purpose and direction in your life, then it doesn't really matter how you get there, right? For example, years ago, uh, I was taking a flight from Chicago to Fort Lauderdale. I was going there because I was speaking at a youth retreat. Um, And so I get to the airport, and after everyone boarded the plane, they discovered a mechanical failure, a mechanical problem during the pre-flight inspection, which again, I was glad for. But then all of us had to get off the plane and we waited one hour, two hours, three, and it was a lot longer than I expected. And I remember thinking, man, after like four or five hours, like if if I can't make it down to Fort Lauderdale, it's just not worth me going at all because if the next flight is the next morning and I wouldn't get there till the next afternoon, well, the retreat was gonna be halfway over, I just might as well not go. So I finally went over to uh, the the customer service desk to explain my situation. And I said, you know, I even called her by her name, right? Hey, you know, Beth, uh, could you help me out here? Here's my situation. If I don't get down to Fort Lauderdale by tonight, it's not really worth me going at all. And and she said, you know, okay, I I got it, Mr. Kim. Let me see what I could do for you, which gave me a glimmer of hope. I'm like, oh, yeah. So she jumps onto this other terminal, starts typing away furiously, and, and then she stops, keeps typing, she stops, and then she looks at me, she comes over, and she has this huge smile on her face, as if, like, she's going to solve my problem, right? And and she looks up, and she says, well, uh, Mr. Kim, uh, I can't get you down to Fort Lauderdale, but I can get you down to Fort Worth. (laughs) So... I wanted to respond, but I couldn't. I just stood there, 
Try to make the connection. Okay, I, I get that on a map, right? Fort Worth may look like it's closer to Fort Lauderdale than Chicago, uh, but in real life, that's still a 19 and a half hour drive from Fort Worth to Fort Lauderdale, which by the way is the same amount of time if you were to drive from Chicago to Fort Lauderdale. Just because they're both down in the south doesn't mean it's any closer, right? Okay, and I, and I get that they both start with the word fort. <laughs> but so does Fort Collins, Colorado, and that's in the opposite direction. So after seeing the perplexity and confusion on my face, because I literally sat there going like with my mouth open, like not saying anything, like, uh. So, well, Mr. Kim, Fort Worth, Texas, will that work for you? And I thought, man, well, that, that's like asking your wife, you know, I, I know you asked me to stop by the store to get uh, a, a, a vacuum cleaner, but I, I got a lawnmower. Will that work for you? Or, or saying to your husband, like, I know you asked me to record the game, but I recorded Dancing with the Stars instead. Will that work for you? Like, no, Fort Worth will not work for me. I know you're trying to be helpful, but the problem is I have a destination, which means that there is a purpose for this journey I'm on. I can't just go anywhere wherever you want me to go. Easter says there is a destination. There is a purpose, and our destination is the new heavens and new earth where we will be with God forever. And if there's a destination in our lives, then there is a purpose and direction. And without the direction, then really just, I mean, who cares? Who cares what direction you have in life? If you don't know where you're going, that doesn't matter where you end up. And so if you erase Easter, you erase meaning in your life. Right? Because this life is all there is. You die, and, and that's it. If you erase Easter, you, you get rid of not just temporary satisfaction, but true satisfaction. Right? We, we've all been there when, when, when uh, we, we want to get to a certain place in our lives, and, and, then, and then we think, when we get there, then I'll be satisfied. When I make this much money, then I'll be satisfied. And then you get there, you make that much money, and then you realize, I'm not satisfied. True satisfaction that never goes away. You, you miss out on that. You miss out on motivation. I, I mean, uh, why, why are we doing all that we're doing? Working uh, every day of the week, and, and why are we doing all that we do if there's no direction in life? Ultimately, you get rid of purpose in your life. I mean, you could live for your kids or, or your truck or your house, but all those things will eventually go away. Paul says in verse 19, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be pitied, uh, more, we are more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. I, I know some Christians that don't feel this way. Uh, I've talked to Christians who say, you know, even if it turns out that Jesus wasn't the son of God, even if it turns out that there's no such thing as heaven or eternal life, I'd still have no regrets about living the Christian life. But if that's true of you, then I would say you are not living the Christian life. Because what Paul is describing is a life of sacrifice, a life of selflessness and generosity that's motivated by love in everything you do and marked by faith that revolves not around you, but around this person named Jesus Christ. And if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then all your sacrifices, all your generosity, all of your struggle to live a holy life and even your presence here today. Your presence here today 
It only serves as evidence that you are wasting time, money, and energy. I mean, you could have just taken it easy. You could have just slept in. I mean, you could have just indulged and just spent it all on yourself. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we should be living in, I mean, we, we, we should be living in such a way that people would pity us. But Paul turns a corner in the next verse, and he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, right? If you trace the beginning of this chapter, Paul begins by saying, look, we're going to play like an imaginary game called alternative history, where we imagine what would have been like if Jesus had not risen from the dead. But then he says, but in fact, he did. And then he, throughout the chapter, he talks about how, how Jesus uh, appeared to multiple people and up to 500 eyewitnesses at a time who were still living at the time that he wrote this letter. And he was saying, look, this is proof, right? This, just verify the truth of this. And so I, I think there's significant evidence, reliable evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. And if you're here this morning and you're skeptical but open-minded about the historicity of Easter, I have maybe a dozen copies of this. I, I'd like to, I'll be by the back door as you leave. Just stop me and just say, hey, can I get a copy of this called The Case for Easter? Uh, pick that up and I'd love to give it to you. Paul basically says Christ has indeed risen from the dead. And that means, first of all, we have purpose, right? In verse 58, at the end of this chapter, he says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Everything you do for the Lord has purpose. So how you live, who you love, what you do matters more than you could possibly imagine. Not only do you have purpose, but now you have grace. In verse 57, he says, thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we have grace that we are set free from our sins. And finally, we have hope. He, he says, I, and I love this passage, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? There is a hope that even death cannot take away. Do you hear this? Paul is basically trash-talking death. I mean, how many of you have ever done that? Right? You, you just mock death because Paul knows death is defeated. And so Paul reminds us that because of Easter, we have the same hope. I, I know on a day like this that I'm talking to two different groups of people. On one hand, you have some people here, uh, you know the power of the resurrection and you've experienced that in your life and you know the difference that Jesus has made. There are others of you who, here who are living as if Easter never happened. But it did. And so maybe you're living without a purpose that's larger than yourself, right? And I'm not saying you don't work hard or you haven't accomplished a lot. I'm sure those things are really true. I'm saying that at the end of the day, what you're working for, it is not going to last and you know it. Some of you are living under guilt and shame, right? You have a lot of broken pieces in your life and you're, you don't, it doesn't seem like anything is gonna help it or solve it because you're living without God's grace. And some of you are just living with a disillusionment about life. Because deep down inside, you know you're putting your hope in something that will eventually disappoint you. So grace, per, uh, hope, and purpose. This is what Easter does. Easter seals these things for us. They cannot be taken away. And so you have a purpose, and it cannot be erased. 
Even if you take that imaginary magic eraser, no matter what you're going through, you have a direction in life. Whether you're sitting in a wheelchair or whether you're sitting in the executive chair, you have a purpose. Nothing you do for Christ is ever useless. And because of Easter, your sins do not erase God's grace. Your lust, your materialism, your selfishness, your anger, your adultery, that does not get rid of God's grace in your life. This has been sealed And hope, because of Easter, your diagnosis, your disease, doesn't have the final word. It cannot erase your hope in Jesus Christ. Abuse, neglect, suffering, circumstances, nothing can take hope away from you. And can I say that's why we celebrate today. We're not here just to remember some long ago event that may or may not have have happened. Right? This is not just tradition or ritual. We are here today because what happened on that day changes everything for us. We find that purpose, grace, and hope is available for each and every one of us this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, and would you pray with me? And so, God... For some of us, it's been a really long time we've been at church. It's been a long time that we've thought about you. But today, we want to claim your promise of your grace, of your purpose, and your hope in our lives. Because some of us feel like we don't have that. And we pray that the reality of Easter would have its full impact on us today. That even though we came here because of tradition or somebody's invitation, that we would experience the goodness of new life. That we would, for once, the first time in our lives, experience what the resurrection really means. And so, God, today, we want to lift up our voices. We want to lift up this prayer in response to who you are and what you have done for us. And so we want to proclaim that you are risen. You are risen indeed. So God, we celebrate with joy and thanksgiving. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.